genre of jazz from video games, TV, and more. If you're into nerdy tunes, you've almost certainly heard his mixes of Mario, Animal Crossing, Halo, Thomas the Tank Engine, and Pokemon. Please welcome from the comfort of your home, car, or designated gaming chair, Insane in the Rains, Carlos Eni. Hello. I can, you know, I can tell this is an Australian show because of the way you guys say Carlos, it's, Car you, you guys say Carlos, which is interesting, which is so oh. funny. <laughs> No, it's I, what, I all, say, all I my. Say Carlo, Carlos. No, no, Carlos. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I, I really don't care. All my Australian friends at college always are like, "It's Carlos, Carlos. What's going on?" I'm like, "That's so funny." <laughs> a I beautiful hard O. It's a, it's a unique hallmark of the culture, and I'm like, just like, just no problem. <laughs> when we pause for emphasis, it's always a big oh, mate. Oh, so that's probably oh. Do with that. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that one. Oh, <laughs> oh that's lordy. But no, of course, you've done heaps of music and everything like that. But for anyone who doesn't, who's never heard of you somehow, can you give us a quick, and I mean very quick rundown on who you are and what you do um, on the internet? Absolutely. So, yeah. Hello, everybody. My name's uh, Carlos Eni, also known as Insane in the Rain Music on the internet. I, I said Carlos, not Carlos Eni. <laughs> uh, I've been, I'm mostly known for making jazz arrangements of video game music, and I've been doing that on my channel, Insane in the Rain Music, for about the past uh nine going on 10 years now um which is which is crazy um i've i've released a couple of albums you might have heard of one of which is called life at grillby's from undertale which i released in 2016. um it's an arrangement album of music from undertale um i just put out one last year called synovation which is a ginormous 50 track 51 track <laughs> nice <laughs> nice copy of the album 51 track uh arrangement album music from pokemon diamond pearl and platinum and uh yeah, that's that's basically me. I've been uploading YouTube videos. I, I probably have about mm, between 400 and 500 uploaded um, arrangements by this point. So it's a uh, it's a large volume of work. <laughs> no, 100 percent. We were we were having a look through it the other day and you have videos that go back, like you said, nearly nearly 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. We were checking out your first video, like absolute mm -hmm. stalkers. Angry yeah, yeah, Aztec. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> what was the story? Was that the first one you ever made? Or was it like, you know, was it like, let's just do this, let's put it up? Or were there heaps that you were working on at the time? Like, what's the story with that one? Sure. So there's, so even before, that's the first video on Insane of the Rain music. Before Insane of the Rain music existed, I had, I think, uh, two different YouTube channels before. And, and on which I posted random things, one of which before I won't say the name because I don't want people to find it. Um, I was posting um, Minecraft 3D animation tutorials as a middle schooler. <laughs> I was learning 3D animation software. I had seen people making these like these Minecraft um, like uh, parody music videos. And I was like, oh, I could learn how to do that. So I learned how to like like animate characters and Blender at a very, very rudimentary level. And I thought, why not just make tutorials on it? So I was doing that for a couple of years and then um eventually i think i came across some people who were doing video game covers of their own and i thought wow these people are uh these people can do this thing why not i could i could give it a try i like video game music so i uploaded a couple of covers on that channel 
and um, eventually I realized, yeah, <laughs> my existing audience, <laughs> very big air quotes for that, existing audience on my on my Blender channel is going to get confused. So I'm going to make a new channel and call it Insane in the Rain Music. And uh, that's that's when that happened. So <laughs> yeah, nice. that's how I made the channel. Yeah, I love that. Was there a reason you've called it Insane in the Rain? Um, yes, actually. So I'm from Seattle, Washington, and people think the name is because the joke is that, oh, it rains all the time in Seattle, which is somewhat true depending on the season, but that's actually has nothing to do with the name. Um, I have been into competitive Pokemon for a very, very long time, um, since I was in middle school or maybe even before. And, um, in competitive Pokemon, there are a couple of different like team archetypes or things you can build around. And one of them is a rain team and rain has various effects on Pokemon stats and things like that. So one of the first Pokemon I ever trained competitively was Pokemon called Omastar, um, which is like a Nautilus water rock shell kind of Pokemon. And it has an ability called Swift Swim, which doubles its speed in the rain. And this particular Pokemon had the move Shell Smash, which when you use it, it like cuts your defense, but boosts your, all your attacking and speed stats. So the 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 strategy was to use that pokemon on the rain and when it was in the rain i think i said once wow this pokemon is so insane insane in the rain and then it just stuck for the next however many years i've been using the name <laughs> beautiful chef's kiss what a gorgeous <laughs> origin story yeah I mean, there... <laughs> speaking on pokemon though you've you've almost had especially this year almost kind of a an affinity with releasing albums and tracks alongside remakes or releases specifically <laughs> um you had your little roots um track and album released just before the release of um, omega mm -hmm. ruby and alpha sapphire you had the alola jazz released in the same year as ultra sun and ultra moon and of course you seemingly uh, prophesized the remakes <laughs> of diamond and pearl with uh Cinovation. is there something you know that we don't or uh absolutely not like like hundred percent. There's not something I know that you guys yet. Not something I know that you guys don't know. Um, it's uh, it's. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I I knew that Back to Little Roots was in the like the same year as or around the same time as Oras was coming out. Um, then I I obviously knew or I obviously realized in retrospect that Cinovation kind of like I like to th I like to think it summoned them along, but like there were so many other cues that it would be in 2021 that uh, I don't take I won't take full credit for it. <laughs> There's not really much credit to take, but I didn't know about the proximity between a lot of the jazz and uh, um, Ultrasound Ultra Moon. I didn't realize that. Uh, but no, I've just been um, a big fan of Pokemon music for a long time. It's one of some of my most um, influential music and influential games on me. And uh, I like, you know, I I think you tend, I tend to arrange stuff that I have an affinity for. Or I know pretty well and Pokemon fits that bill pretty nicely. I was going to say, speaking of those inspirations and games you played um, when you were younger, are there any that stand out as specifically sticking in your mind? Um, I know for myself and Dem, for example, Banjo-Kazooie is a huge inspiration. Mm. Um, is there anything like that for you specifically? Mm. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, so like, like games specifically we're looking for? Yeah. Yeah, so my first one ever, my first game ever was Wave Race 64 for the Nintendo 64. And uh, I, th I attribute that game for my love of um, 80s music and like specifically like Japanese 80s fusion music, which I, I love so much. And that's basically the entire soundtrack of the game. I actually just had to listen to it um, 
just recently like the entire thing and i i remember i I realized like wow like i was feeding my young brain with music of this caliber like wow this is some this is some pretty good stuff to be listening to um that's one of them um pokemon red was my first ever pokemon game that one stands out to me um super mario world i played that um a lot before school in my elementary school days um and that's actually part of the story as um as to like how i got into video game music as a whole i guess i can i'm, I'm going to segue myself there this i figure this is probably an interesting story um so i had been playing super mario world um before school i probably shouldn't have been because my dad told me don't play games before school but um it's paid off now so it's okay um <laughs> so i was playing super mario world and i think one night i was in the tv room with my mom and we were watching i don't know what channel it was and then this broadcast of a video games live concert came on and, and if you don't know video games live is a um touring orchestra or a touring orchestral concert thing where they play orchestral versions of video game music um and it's it's i think there are several different groups that do that kind of thing now but back in that day that was probably the first group that was doing that kind of thing but i don't know for sure um and i remember watching it on tv and I don't remember saying this, but my mom remembers me saying saying this, and I think I was in about the second grade at the time. She remembers me saying, Mom, I want to do that! Like, pointing at the TV when I was in second grade or something, watching a video game music concert. And look where we are now! Like, I think uh, I think that, that very young Carlos uh, kind of knew what was up. <laughs> Hit the plan already in front of him. Knew what he wanted. <laughs> well, so, you know, sometimes if you know where, if you know what destination you want, like the plan figures itself out. Like, I, I, I can't, I can't say I knew exactly how to get to where I am right now, or, or even if where I am is worth being. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, but uh, um, there was no plan. It just kind of, you got there eventually. <laughs> I love that. That's a really good, almost improvisation. Very jazz of you, improvising. (laughs) (laughs) Was uh, was that kind of why you went for jazz, though? Like, you didn't really want to go down that orchestral path? You wanted to go for more, Mm. like, spicy kind of (laughs) music? You know, know, like, um, it was never really, like, I think the academia has kind of created this dichotomy between jazz and classical music and i really don't think it needs to exist like i I see why it exists in the academic world because you got your classical schools and you got your jazz schools because you got to have separate things for everything but um for me it was just i i I ended up in a jazz club or a jazz band in my middle school years and i thought you know this is kind of fun i i like playing i like playing the saxophone i like playing the clarinet i was playing clarinet and saxophone back then and um I don't know if there was something specific about the music that I really liked. Um, It's, I mean, certainly jazz, like, does give you more room for interpretation. Um, But it wasn't really jazz specifically. Like, I think I've been making, like, like when I make jazz covers, like, I I call them jazz covers, mostly so people have an idea of what to expect. Like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to make it sound like what jazz in general people think sounds like because i think genres are more of a useful tool for um for communicating or marketing right totally um, yeah yeah but for for me like i like all kinds of music i mean i think that the type of music i don't like isn't because it's in a certain genre it's because there are certain elements that i just really don't care for like it's not that I I don't dislike all country music because some people would argue that um, that bluegrass is country music, 
you can you can make the argument and i love bluegrass bluegrass is amazing i specifically don't like country music that involves like lyrics about like pickup trucks and like you like like typical like american like like good old cowboy american lifestyle like there's something about that that doesn't appeal to me not because it's all country music but um <laughs> what i'm trying to say is that um it wasn't so much a choice between jazz and and the classical music it was more just like there's there music is such a huge world right and you can embrace any part of it that seems interesting and i think at the time what was called jazz and served up to me in form of a middle school jazz band was interesting so i just pursued it totally yeah and like sort of channeling that through video games and stuff like that was like yeah i don't know how those two things came together uh <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it was kind of random like there was no um but the, actually you, you mentioned going back to agri aztec right and that's not a jazz cover. That's just like me pressing this this rhythm button on my keyboard and playing Angry Aztec on top of it. So the, I didn't do it like an actual jazz cover until maybe about like a year into the channel where I tried this version of Song of Storms with a jazz in a jazz style. And I thought, oh, this is kind of fun. But at that point, I wasn't really, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't make any sort of conscious choice like, oh, yes, I'm going to be the jazz guy. It just kind of happened. It became the most accurate most accurate like generic genre label you could throw on me and i was like okay i'll i'll accept it because it makes people understand what i do but um you know i don't feel like i'm just a jazz musician or just a jazz composer like i like a lot of different kinds of things totally and it, it seems like you have a very like central style like you sort of do quite a bit for uh like quite a bit yourself but then you also bring in other people um i know that jacob you were talking a lot about a big band project i haven't run into that part project of yours well i mean you worked quite heavily with a big band on specifically cinovation and you've worked <laughs> with plenty and plenty of some of the most talented musicians i've seen on both youtube and just in the industry as well with names like uh lana rain uh yeah, how how do you find yourself working not only solo but in those collaborations? Mm -hmm. How does that differ for you? Yeah, I think the whole the whole reason I started off learning everything myself was um, honestly for like uh, like just efficiency reasons. Like uh, I had been making videos for I had been making videos on a weekly schedule for quite a while, and at some point it just like i just realized that i can't I, I i can't just ask somebody to record bass for me in a weekly schedule but if i could do it myself and learn how to play bass well enough to do it in like you know an hour then that's like that's a great investment and that was kind of what fueled everything um at some point i did shift away from weekly videos because doing that and also doing college classes is um <laughs> way too much <laughs> um let me <laughs> you shouldn't have to go through the same pain that i did to learn that lesson just take it from a take it from me um but it was mostly kind of just like um, it came out of necessity having to learn these instruments. And I realized that I, I, I liked learning instruments for one, just like learning how to play them, learning how to get inside the mind of somebody who's like, you know, an actual bassist or actual guitarist. Like, I don't really consider myself, you know, an actual like an actual professional bassist or anything like that. I, I, I think of myself as a like person or a musician who knows enough about the bass to make it happen when they need to and that sometimes that's good enough you know like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be the best bass in the world but i can i can play enough parts on my own videos um now for collaborators um that's when you can get other people like when other people have actually spent their whole lives you know playing the bass guitar and like getting really good at it um 
that experience of, of playing it yourself really like helps you write for them and helps you understand where they're coming from, helps you have, I guess it's like musical empathy <laughs> in a way <laughs> for like understanding just, you know, like what is this person probably thinking about? What do they want to see? How do they want to fit in the group? Or how can I help them bring out their best performance in terms of like my the arrangement I provide or what whatever their whatever resources I, I can give to them? Um, and I've definitely uh, I've definitely struggled with collaboration sometimes of figuring out where the balance is of you know how specific do I want things be like. Um, you know, if I could, if I could play everything, you know, I could just do everything myself, right? And it would be exactly as I want it to be. But that's not always the best thing for the music, right? Like for me, for example, spending, I don't know, if I were to buy a violin and I had a string part I wanted to record and learn the violin myself, I don't think I'd be doing as much justice to the music as somebody who had been playing violin for, you know, however many years and was actually really good at it. Right. And it's, it should be about the music in the end of the day, not necessarily about, you know, me or it's not it's not really about me it happens to be my channel but i'm doing this because i love the music and i want to present the music in a, in a really good form very much so and you mentioned um of course buying a new instrument uh, we can see it in your background right now the listeners at home won't be able to but <laughs> how <laughs> many instruments do you know and or have uh i have it's i think it's right around 50 if you count if you count every like um and it's it gets weird because like a drum set right has several parts but it's one instrument as a whole right whereas something like i don't know like a tambourine is like you just go like ching ching and that's one instrument you know like they're not i wouldn't say that they're necessarily equal although maybe a tambourine professional out there <laughs> would argue otherwise <laughs> and i'm sure that they're out there um but yeah, it's around it's around fifty. I did a room like a room tour recently, and I counted everything, and it's around there. I, I like I, like I said before, I'm not like super proficient at all of them. I'd say the one the two I'm like best at are the saxophones and piano. Those are the ones I've spent the most time on, and the ones that I would I would say I play at a professional level. But everything else is like uh, not not quite there yet. Um, not that it never has to be, or, or not that it ever has to be. I should say, but. Um, they're just, they're just things I've picked up for fun for, for the videos. <laughs> Speaking of, you're like, obviously you're fairly proficient at a few different instruments, as you just said. Um, mm -hmm. How do you find yourself finding the time, especially considering you're doing a university? Uh, how, how does that work, trying to find the time to learn each instrument or yeah. learn the pieces and actually manage that? Because that sounds pretty intense. Mm, actually, had a, I had a good conversation with a friend about this recently, and... When when a lot of people think about practicing an instrument, they think about like, okay, you gotta go to the practice room and like block out an hour and go work on your scales and stuff like that. Now, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I will say that it is extremely inefficient <laughs> if you want to learn a whole bunch of instruments. Like, can you can you imagine the amount of like like I don't know prep I'd have to do to schedule practicing for all this stuff? I would hate it. Like, it's 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 it would be stupid. It would be awful. Um. And I've, apart from my time in college, I was playing saxophone because I was, I was a saxophone principal. Like you have to declare a principal and you have to pass these like proficiency exams where they like, 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 
can you like play this scale pattern or play this arpeggio in a certain way and you have to be able to do it so um i put in some practice time on that but other than that like i've never really been like a hardcore practicer it's more it actually kind of reminds reminds me of um the language immersion thing i was talking about earlier i don't know if that's going to make it into the podcast but um for 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 reference i was talking about how i was learning japanese and doing it by um immersing myself in the content even if i don't understand all of it and Honestly, that's kind of how I learned like all these instruments is um, I would write an arrangement, right? And then I would write like a relatively simple part for myself. Like, let's say I'm writing a, a bass part, right? And at the time, it might be like just above where I can actually play. But the for the, for the going through the process of learning to play that part and recording it is the practice in and of itself, right? And it works so well because you know, you have an end goal in mind. Like, you know what you want the part to sound like because, well, like, when I, I wrote it, so I, I know what I want it to sound like. And I also know where my abilities are, uh, approximately. So I, I can know, like, okay, this is probably going to be too hard if I write this, but if I write it this way, it should be okay. Um, and then you just do that over and over again. <laughs> and you, like, you know, you just get in there, you do the thing, even if you're bad at it, it takes you a whole bunch of takes. Like, if you're recording it yourself, no one's, like... There's no one there to, to judge you or whatever. And you can always, you know, use a little bit of digital magic to make it a little bit better than you can actually do. <laughs> uh, that is so, too real. That is yeah, too real. It's, I know yeah, we, fact, Jacob definitely edits me enough to like, I sound professional right now, guys. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. We, we, all, uh, we all take advantage of a little bit of digital makeup, you know. Just and a tad. Uh, just a tad. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, so like there's a couple of videos on your YouTube that show you in mm -hmm. each of these moments. Um, and it was, was that mm -hmm. kind of fun jumping between them? Or was that like, like, oh, I'm here. Mean, no, I'm here. Do you mean shots in like where like a like I'm cloning myself, that kind of thing? Yeah. Or just like sh shots in which I'm like, because there's a lot of videos where I'm like, you know, I'll film one thing at a time, then edit everything together. Right. That's pretty yeah. much like the basic, the basic strat. And as I got more advanced, I was like, oh, what if I just like clone myself in the video and I plan this video thing? And those are those are kind of funny, but in the end, I'm not a video person. Like, I, I don't, I don't. If I were to do that like properly, that would take way, way too much time. Like, at the end of the day, I like the music part the most. So, um, doing all that setup to like, because to get that cloning effect, you have to have a, a planned in advance, pretty precisely. And to do that, and also record the music part your side at the same time, and do it by yourself if that's that's what I'm doing. Like it's a little bit a little bit too much to handle um, for for me personally. I think if I were to work with some better people and like and it was their job specifically to make that happen, then maybe it could happen. But I I care about the music part more, so uh, it's just a little fun side thing that I've done in the past. <laughs> Alongside all that Minecraft animation you've done. Uh, oh gosh, that man, those those skills have like. They come up again in the weirdest times. Like I, when I've had to learn After Effects to like uh, um, to to animate like title title screen things. I'm like, oh yeah, this kind of looks like Blender. This reminds me of Blender. And you know, all these skills that you learned like way back in the day, like they come back and they surprise you with how much you actually know and how much is buried somewhere in the deep subconscious. I don't know, never-ending box inside your brain 100 <laughs> i mean speaking of like too much i, I look at some <laughs> of this that came out wrong but the <laughs> <other> <laughs> <laughs> that was, probably that. That was that wasn't a great segue but i was gonna no, say <laughs> you don't just do covers necessarily you do rearrangements yeah. and that's a lot more work. How did, how did you, I guess, find yourself doing only rearrangements rather than covers? 
Okay, first off, the word distinction, I, I, I don't like, I don't, I really don't care about the word distinction. Same thing, it's like the same thing with the genres. Like, there was at some point where people were like, oh, should you call your thing a cover, a remix, an arrangement, a remaster? Like, some of them have very technical definitions. Like, I think if you're doing like something in a, like a, like electronic, it's pro most likely a remix because you're like, if you're using source material, then it's actually a remix. But point being like, all, all that aside, like, uh, <sighs> I, I think it just evolved into like how my guiding thought was like, what would I want to listen to, you know, and the context in which I was doing these things was a standalone YouTube video. Now, um, I guess I can use Cinovation as an example, because a lot of those tracks in that album are much more developed than they were in the game itself. And some people have asked like, oh, like they should they should just use your music for Cinovation. And I think that's not the thought like that's not if 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 that was in some hypothetical world, I had done that, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have taken that same approach. Right. Because the music has to serve a certain context. And in terms of a YouTube video, it's pretty much standalone for, for, the, for the most part. Like your your video stands by itself and is there playing and is in cap capturing people's attention, right? And for me, that kind of meant taking it a level above background music in the game, right? Because, you know, in most, in most situations in a game, music is the background music and it's there to... Um, you know, provide you a certain mood, sometimes provide the play with, it, with information, but just or, or help with the immersion experience into the game itself. And the tracks are written a certain way to for that purpose, right? And sometimes sometimes a true remaster, if it was, if it was a true remaster of that track, which was just keeping the, in keeping the same context in mind, I think that requires a different approach than making it a standalone thing that you can listen to without any context. Because um, usually these, like if you're listening without context, I think it needs more of a narrative arc or some sort of development that happens across it. Whereas if it's just a piece of background music, it might not need that as much because it has the story of the game, the other context of whatever's going on and other visual elements to to help you along as well. So at the end of the day, I'm just trying to do what's, what I think is best for the given context in which the music appears. And in some of my original music, um, you know, I, I try and keep that in mind as well. Just touching on that original music, you've released uh, five different pieces, at least on your YouTube channel. It feels like Home, <laughs> Golden Battle, Flow Forward and Horizon. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> what, what was the thought process in releasing that first original piece to YouTube? And has that really changed in your newest piece, uh, Feels Like Home? <laughs> so there's actually a couple more since Feels Like Home. Um, I think past that there was one called like Tactical and then Rooted in Tomorrow, I think. It feels so weird talking about original titles of original pieces. I'm so used to titles of covers. But anyway, uh, the reasoning behind that first one, which is called Forward, was uh, I was going through a, uh, a, a uh, upsetting personal experience <laughs> at the time, as I feel like as I feel like every uh, pop singer must be going through <laughs> with, with the, the subject matter the of their angst. songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, that was me. I was channeling the angst, and I put it in the form of um, forward. And I was like, I don't know. I just I just decided to release it. I don't really remember exactly why. I think I was on a um. I think I was on a flight home from Magfest, which is the music and gaming festival, which is like a video game music convention that happens here in the U.S. And I, I think one of my Discord mods or something happens to be on the plane and it was like, Carlos, what are you working on? And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to write an original song. And then they were like, sounds like a good idea, Carlos. You should do that. And then, and then that happened. And, you know, like I think from the beginning, you know, music is music. Right. And if it makes you feel something and you like it for whatever reason, like that, it, it justifies itself. Um, 
And I think uh, part of the reason I like video game music, video game music is because of the associated context and story, right? Um, but you can still have an associated context and story with original music or create a piece of original music that tells its own story in its own unique way. Um, it's a little harder to sell, like to sell to people, right? Because they're not coming into the thing with this um, this context offhand. Like if someone's clicking on Twin Leaf Town from Pokemon Diamond, they've and they've probably already played that game or at least know what the context is, and they're like, oh, like I recognize this. I know how this is supposed to feel. But with the original music, it's like you know, especially if they have no idea who I am, they're like. I don't know. I don't know who this. I don't know who this guy is, and what? Why? Why is this? What is this golden battle thing? Why is it gold? Why is it battle? I don't understand. I don't care. Like for most people, that's what they think, and it's just been. A, I've been having fun experimenting with it, and not to, not trying to take it too seriously. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of developed into me. Um, I'm I'm working on a game score right now for a game called um, Attorney of the Arcane. I'm like ten tracks in so far, and it's it's uh it's been really really fun to to write music. Um. Because it, it's, as I said earlier, it requires, you know, it, it puts you in a different context than just making like a standalone musical piece. So you kind of have to think of how well does this music, you know, not only not only stand on its own, because I, I like I like would like to make it stand on its own, but also be able to function as a piece of background music. So um, it requires an interesting compositional approach. So cool. Um, actually, in speaking of compositional work, did you do much of that during your um, your university experience? Ah uh, no, not really. <laughs> a- apart from like homework assignments, I-, I I had to do some homework assignments where you had to like write a piece using this kind of thing, and it was just like a okay, this is this is homework, so I did it. Um, I kind of wish I had do- I like looking back on it, I kind of wish I had done some like composing stuff because most of what I studied in school was like music production and music arranging. Not a whole lot about the theory of composition, but um, the beautiful thing is that if you want to learn anything, you just do it, and then you learn how to do it. <laughs> It's, it's so simple. Uh, totally. I think I think uh, at educational institutions kind of like maybe make it more complicated than it needs to be sometimes. Or like, uh, you know, they try and teach you all the rules and the rules are there for a reason. Right. But you don't necessarily need them to, to learn how to do the thing. You could just you could just do the thing a lot and and fail and failure is OK. And in fact, encouraged because you learn from the failure and then uh, then you just you just keep going from there. Very much so. Very much so. And I guess we'll jump back a second to um talking about Attorney of the Arcane. And it's sure. not the only game you've been a part of, too. You worked uh, mm. with uh, Hat in Time. How does it feel, I guess, starting to compose for these actual games? And mm-hmm. how is that different to maybe the original compositions and your um, com- uh, common covers slash arrangements, whatever mm. you like to call them? Yeah, so I, it's mostly like a, the difference exists between the original stuff and and the covers and the best like honestly the best part is that when i'm if i'm making something for the youtube audience you know the audience is like basically the whole internet right so i'm trying to make i'm trying to make something that i think a certain section of people on the internet will generally like and it's usually like a a, a fairly large swath of people like people who have heard the song bramble blast from super super smash brothers brawl and also like jazz you know um but with the composition stuff like you, you think of a different audience and, and one is like you actually have like a, you know, you have the devs to report to you have a, you basically have a boss, you know, you have somebody that you report to that's like, um, 
like do you do you like this music this music is supposed to be for your game do you like it and they tell you yes or no and it's great because you get a, you get a good answer like you get an answer of yes or no and sometimes on the internet you know you don't really get a definitive answer it's just a bunch of people like offering their own opinion um but meanwhile youtube tells you this is your nine out of ten video in terms of performance you should work harder next time and it's that's that's another very um uh, a very deep subject <laughs> that could be discussed uh but in uh, it's just it's a new interesting challenge and it feels pretty good I, like that that hat in time thing was so random like i it, it, it happened like i got like a skype message back when i back when skype was the thing <laughs> oh boy um from one of the devs and they're like like I, I i really don't remember exactly how this went down but i think it was something like hey we're releasing this we're releasing this game here's a bunch of tracks you should remix one of them and then we'll put it in the game <laughs> it's like okay because <laughs> i had i had heard of the game before i was like okay i'll give it a try um and it's cool to be it's it's cool to be entering that world a little bit more and i think I, it's something i'd like to keep on doing um i don't really have any grand expectations of what would what will happen but i'm just trying to you know do whatever feels right and is fun in the moment and uh see where it goes very much so and speaking again of uh Attorney of the Arcane. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, could you give mm. a quick rundown on that project? Yeah, so Attorney of the Arcane is a visual novel kind of game inspired by the likes of um, Ace Attorney, Danganronpa, um, and also the series, or the D&D, um, &D, which has like a bunch of, you know, fantasy RPG, or like, it's not like a, it's not a tabletop game, but it has the fantasy elements of, um, medieval elements of D&D &D in, in the game as well. Um, it's uh it's it's currently in development the uh the lead developer is uh diamond henge i think if you go on twitter and search diamond henge i don't know if it's diamond henge studios something like that but uh we recently had a pretty successful indiegogo campaign and raised some funds for the game currently in development and it'll probably be out sometime late 2022 or something like that um games take a long time and i I've, i have no idea when it'll be done but uh, I'm I'm slowly and steadily working on my music part of it, and uh, excited to show you guys that whenever whenever it's done. It should be it's on Steam. I think it's going to be out on like like PC and mobile. I don't know, probably not any consoles yet. We're not we're not there yet. <laughs> Soon, one of those we'll big old big old dumps they do. You know when they go like all of these games that you love. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it'll I'm it'll sure. be on it'll be on the um what is it called the 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 Steam Deck or the the Steam console thing, whatever they're doing. That's a console, oh, yeah. right? It'll, it I should be playable that. on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> one of the that many counts. Things. That counts. Yeah. Indeed. You were saying about YouTube. Have you found that the the vibe of YouTube has changed a lot since you joined in? Oh um, yeah, it's so different. It's so different, and I probably sound like a curmudgeonly old YouTuber at the age of twenty three, <laughs> but um, it has changed a lot. You know, like uh, undoubtedly, and I and part of that comes with like, you know, certainly part of it is the rose tinted glasses effect, where you look back at your past and you think like, oh, that was that was so much better then because you remember. Um, you might remember some of the good stuff that sticks out. Um, although I guess sometimes you remember some of the bad stuff that sticks out more. But in this case of YouTube, it was the good stuff that sticks out, like the the community and like almost like the innocence of it, or it was like um, nobody really knew what they were doing. It was just kind of like a hey, it's fun, let's figure it out thing. Um, and you know, as time has as time has gone on, like people have, I guess the money's become involved now, and people like see it as a way to, you know have a have a make a living and not that you can't make a living doing it but sometimes 
I think people don't do it for the right reason. Although I guess it's not up to me to say what is right or what is wrong. They don't do it for the reasons that that I started doing it. You know, and again, that that shouldn't I don't want to like say that my way is right because I know it's not definitively right, but I think doing thing doing things with a with a, a good reason is is important, you know. And if your reason is to get your video in front of as many people as possible and not really care about the quality of what you're making and not care about how you're um, going to influence a generation of people who are watching your videos and having their attention spans diminished and being taught that this is the kind of content they should expect or this is the kind of you know media or enhancing media they should be consuming then by all means go ahead and make your um your five second jump cut let's play and swear all over the place in it but <laughs> that was wow that was that was so that just, was just so like, that was a little bit of salt there <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, like, like that's just that's just my perspective. Like, that's just yeah. that's just my opinion, and I'm I I'm entitled to my own opinion for sure. And absolutely. other people, like, other people can absolutely prove me wrong, and I I have no problem with that. But, um, you know, I, <laughs> it's so complicated. How do I boil it down to something simple? I don't know. Have a it's good a reason. Change. Have a good reason, and and it's yeah, it's it's the internet. The internet has changed a lot, but I'm still here, and I and I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the how how things have developed, um, because I guess that means I'm here with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy We're for, that. for that too. You, you, <laughs> you did mention the community, and I wanted to bring that up at some point. The community, mm -hmm. obviously, you've been on for at least a hot minute, and on that community, specifically the video game OST uh, cover rearrangement, whatever mm -hmm. community, you've got some magical names in there like Toxic Eternity, Family Jewels, Sabo Reen, yep. Adriana Figueroa, Rashadi B, and the 8-Bit Drummer, and so, so many more. Yep. How do you feel watching that cover scene kind of grow um, over, I guess, your tenure through YouTube? Has mm -hmm. that really inspired you, or has that kind of made you take a step back? No, it's, it's amazing. Like... That is like my. It, I'm so like proud to be part of that community. It's one of the nicest communities of anything I've ever been a part of. Um, partially because I think it's so like it's so upstarty and grassroots, and there's not really a like a you know defined way you have to do anything. And um, as long as you're making some sort of like cover or, or arrangement of something, even if it's like if it's video game music, great. Or if it's just some music you really like, and people happen to resonate with the fact that somebody else is making a music video by themselves in their bedroom and uploading it to YouTube, then like it's great. Uh, and I've uh, like all those people you mentioned are some of my best friends, and it's just been cool to like see that scene grow and meet people through it. Um, MAGFest happens every year, pretty much every year, and it, like, it's like the mecca for those people where as many VGM people as possible who can go, they go there and everybody meets. And it's just, uh, it's just, it's nice to see people who have such a uh, strong shared common interest and passion with you. And, you know, you never realize like how many of them there are until you like, you know, see them all in the same room at MAGFest. And it's like, wow, I'm not the only one who stays in my bedroom and and downloads video game music MIDI files and plays them on my piano. Like, a lot, there's a lot of people that share that little small interest, and I think that makes the bonds just that much better. You know, when it's like not something that's not something mainstream or not something super popular, but I guess that shows how much you care about it, right? If you're choosing to do it, <laughs> if it's so obvious that the reason you're not doing it is because it's popular, like if I wanted to, if I if I wanted to like optimize my my channel growth you know you could like i could i could just be like i could arrange totally different things i could do totally different things right that's that's always an option but you know i've, I've chosen to stick with what i like and um 
it's it's gonna stay that way even if it <laughs> even if it means like oh you're not you're you're getting less subscribers than you could like i'm as long as you're happy i don't, I don't care <laughs> i feel like that big subscriber train really does like to come and harass poor it's, creators a lot of the time it's so it's so difficult really it's and it's really hard to explain if you're never if you've never been in their sh in in the shoes of someone who is in that um guys in that hot seat of like having to create something for an audience like at the beginning you know when people start making stuff it's pretty much always out of, out of like good intent out of like good reasons they're like like i'm just i'm just a guy who like wants to make this thing and i want to upload it right but as soon as you start getting an audience and you have these expectations like start come onto you and like people start to like paint an image of who you are you know it's it's hard to separate like you know the 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 you that people want you to be versus the you that you authentically are right and sometimes if you're not careful like you can end up in the trap of thinking that the the person who people want you to be is actually who you think you authentically are right and then you get mad at yourself for like why can't i why can't i make all these videos that people that, that people want like isn't my job to make the, the videos that people want and it might not be you know like if it, it might not be and it requires a a very thorough level of self-awareness that is um really really important for for youtubers which is why like i say if i run into a kid and they're like like i want to be a youtuber someday i'm like no you don't <laughs> no you don't no you don't you you want to be you want to be a person who shares cool things with other people you don't want to be a youtuber <laughs> <laughs> I think I think on that on that thought process of you know don't get caught up in the the being this person or the, this person. I'll still align yeah. from our interview with um, Family Jewels, a friend of yours. The oh, yeah. like like the like button and subscribes aren't a um, a good meter, quote unquote. It, it's literally <laughs> just a... that's so Jules. <laughs> that's that's so Jules. I saw I saw him like uh, two or three days ago on, on the last show of his Shred Venture tour. And I got, and I, it's been a long time since I've seen him. So, like, I can just imagine him, like, saying that and just, like, giggling afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think we'll start to wrap up, ask our last couple sure. questions. Um, and <laughs> one, one thing I wanted to touch on more than anything else, it's, it's something I saw on your Twitter a while back. Um, oh, no. You somewhat <laughs> recently. <laughs> no, no, no. Nothing, nothing bad. Nothing bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you somewhat recently, and I say somewhat because I'm not sure how long ago it was now, um, picked up a brand new puppy. Um, and that name, oh, yeah. <laughs> you named the puppy after a Pokemon character, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. What, yeah what's so... the story behind that? Yeah, okay. So, Looker is uh, my beagle. He's he's our beagle. He's my family's beagle. He's currently uh, just over a year old now. So he's very much a puppy and very much has a lot of energy. Um, he's named Looker for mostly after the Pokemon character, um, mainly because like if you look at a picture of Looker, like he's got he's got black hair, he's got relatively white skin, he's got and also like that brown trench coat, that big trench coat he has, and I thought that's just like a beagle, like that's the same color as he was a beagle. It matches up perfectly well. Um, I've always liked beagles, like they I think they've been like the most they were like my most attractive looking dog breed since i've been a kid i don't know why but i like them a lot um and looker works because one of the one the character and the character the character's like a detective right he's a detective he's he's actually like um he's the gumshoot he the gumshoot trope which is like an incompetent de detective and looker is <laughs> like a dog so he's like he's sniffing around 
you know, he's like like detective and searching for everything. And compared to a human, he's incompetent in most ways, except for his nose. Like his nose is way better than 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 mine for sure. So that's one way. Also, like he looks at things. Like he's like hmm or hmm. And like stares at something and he's a looker in that way and also he's really cute so he's also a looker so it's like a three it's like a three layer pun that i'm really proud of and like when i when i ran one of the people on the street and they ask what his name is like they're always just like oh he's a looker isn't he that's why you named him right and i'm like ha 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 you don't know the pokemon character do you <laughs> so it's got it's got a lot of layers but he's been a joy to have and uh he, he <laughs> he's uh he creates a lot of good moments and funny pictures <laughs> Such a good. I love. I love hearing people talk about their pets and the wild ways they've mm-hmm. named them. You have definitely given many reasons for naming your pets. I know. I, I put so many reasons. I like I've. It. I've. I was stewing on the name for a long time. Like I was like, if I get a, if I get a be, like if I get a beagle someday, I'm probably gonna name it Looker. And, <laughs> and I think I don't know. I, I like puns a lot. I like wordplay, and I think it just kind of a. I think it just naturally happened. So. <laughs> I mean, you are called insane in the rain. It's all, it's all there, isn't it? It's all, it's all parts like a layer. It all, layers. it all, it all stems back to this little, little uh, squishy sponge thing in, in my skull. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think one of the last things I wanted to touch on was advice for anyone who wanted to try and follow in your footsteps uh, mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, oh yes. More so, do you think it's realistic for someone to try and get into this YouTube music scene now? Um, and if so, what are some roadblocks they need to really look out for, in your opinion? Okay, so in my opinion, <clears throat> there is no trying to get involved in the scene. You are either in the scene or you are not in the scene. And to be in the scene is extremely simple. You get in the scene. <laughs> You get you get in the scene by making stuff, right? And like if you if you know just you don't you actually you don't even have to make anything. Like there are some people who are just like in the video game music cover scene who actually don't really make covers. They just there's like you know they interact with people, and that's really all. Like it's what it stems down to is interaction between people. Imagine that. You know that's part of what that's what society is built on, and. Uh, like there's a there's numerous ways that can be done. It could be something as simple as a YouTube comment or a tweet, you know, at some creator. Like if you like their cover, just be like, "Your cover is so good. Thank you for uploading it." You know, and you're involved that way. And I can't I can't give you a step by step process to get you know to be like like the the biggest name in the scene in five years or whatever. And that's not really what it probably should be about. But um, all you can really do is show up, you know, and showing up means like being like being present and like being present in in and paying attention to whatever's going on um it's the same if you were trying to like you know be part of the local music scene in some place or trying to get involved with the community at like a school or something is all you have all you can really do is just you know show up and be yourself right like there's and if you're worried about people judging you or something then you know, that's their problem. <laughs> it's not, like all you all you can do is be the best version of you possible, and you know, not give yourself too much. Um, cut yourself some slack if you feel if you feel nervous about it. But it's really nothing to be nervous about. Like, um, some people worry that like they don't have the right gear or that they don't have the right skills yet. And I'm like, 
the fastest way you're going to have the right skills is by actually doing the thing. So you might as well, you know, even if you're even if you're bad. And, you know, I struggle with it, too. Like if um maybe not in the video game music scene anymore, but other places that I'm trying to interact with people like, you know, there, there's that feeling of embarrassment. Like, what if they don't like me? You know, what if I'm actually bad and I don't know? But um, more often than not, it works out. So I would just say show up, be nice make something good show people who you show people your authentic self and the people who like your authentic self will respond to that and like that's the best thing ever like you know it's it sucks it, like if you're in a relationship with someone and you have to act all the time that's awful because then they, they don't like you they like this version of you right but if you can be you as possible all the time you know then some people will not like it for sure and that's okay but people some people will like it and that's those are the people you want so be yourself and put a, put yourself out there and find those people and life will get a little bit better. <laughs> Fair advice. Great advice, actually. And we are wrapping up uh, right now, but speaking of yourself, mm -hmm. where can people find you if they'd like to find you? Sure. Well, the best place is probably uh, youtube.com slash insane in the rain music. That's where all the, the new videos come out. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. That's probably like my, my most used social media. Um, you those two places are pretty good. I also have a website in sandtherainmusic.com, which has a big old FAQ and a bunch of other stuff about me. If you, um, have any questions or want to learn, learn more about my, or learn more about my stuff in a way that doesn't involve listening to music. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why you'd be like that. Like I've, I've had enough of this guy's talking, but I don't want to listen to his music. I just want to read about him. I'm going to go to his website. Like, I don't know how many people think like that, but maybe there are people out there like that. Oh, man. Vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And just to add a question, do you still have any albums or anything you're selling that needs to be hyped up at all? Uh not really at the moment. I'm kind of in a I'm kind of in a transitional period, but hopefully I'm not even I mean, I'm I'm sure there'll be another season in which something needs to be hyped up, but at the moment I'm still uh still figuring things out, but it's they're they're going in a good direction so far. So I'm I'm pleased. Good to hear, good to hear. So definitely keep your eye out for um, anything new from Carlos in the future. Um, but otherwise, thank you so much for joining us, Carlos. It is um, an honor to have you on, and from the entire Player One team, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast.